Thank you for joining us here at First Baptist Church of San Antonio, whether online or on broadcast, in your homes or wherever you may be. We want you to know that you are more than welcome to be a part of the life of this church, and we want you to know that we want you to meet Jesus today. In order for this to happen regularly, we need your support, we need your prayers, and we need your financial gifts. Please continue to give and be a part of what we do today. Amen. This week, we've been reading together the story of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. If you would, turn your listening sheet to 1 Samuel 17, 42 through 45, and we're going to read this together. So let's stand and let's read this aloud. This then is the text for today. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy with a handsome appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. May God bless the reading of his word. Just prior to a boxing match, an announcer steps into the center of the ring, usually a man by the name of Michael Buffer. This man comes in to set the stage for the two who will in just a moment pummel each other. And as he comes in to do introductions, he usually starts with something like this, in this corner and then goes on to give some variation of the boxer's name, their hometown, the color of their shorts, their weight, their accomplishments, their record. And all of this is, is stated with a flair for the spectacle that it is. Now, the enviable line that every boxer wants him to state at the end of that announcement is this the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. And then the fight begins. Practically, this is how 1 Samuel 17 functions for us. So the, the first part of this chapter, it's a setting of the stage for one of the most spectacular fights of all time. In fact, th this is a fight of David and Goliath that is still written about. It's still quoted, it's still noted some 3,000 years after the fact. This showdown between David and Goliath 
was as big as it gets. 1 Samuel 17, early on, gives us a sort of introductory narrative. As you look down in verse 4, you see this. It's as if the announcer has come to the ring with Goliath in this corner. And he starts. Standing in this corner, towering over nine feet tall, wearing 126 pounds of armor, Goliath from Gath, the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. And then, as, as first, uh, Samuel 17 unfolds, everyone's looking around. They, they see Goliath in this corner. The Israelites are watching. The Philistines are watching. Goliath is looking. And as he's being introduced and ready for his next fight, there is no one opposite him. When the announcer turns and says, in this corner, it's empty. No one wants to take on Goliath. He's standing there holding his implements, a spear, a javelin. It says the, the spear, just the, the tip of his spear weighs 15 pounds. And it's one that Goliath could throw across the valley. You see, this, this mammoth of a man standing in this corner is, is the announcer's dream. He can go on and on for days with the accomplishment of this man. In fact, the, the text tells us in verse 16, this goes on for 40 days. 40 days, Goliath and his announcement, and no one in this corner. But then there comes a day when the 40 days is over, the announcer starts again, standing in this corner, towering over nine feet tall, Wearing 126 pounds of bronze armor, Goliath from Gath, the undisputed champion of the world. And the announcer turns to this corner. And there's a youth climbing into the ring. And the announcer starts. And in this corner, someone's little brother weighing in at pint size, wearing a shepherd's tunic. David from Bethlehem, he is the champion of a small pasture of sheep between Jesse Road and Bezalel Avenue just behind his home. The whole scene looks as ridiculous as it sounds, so much so that Israel whom David represents, is completely embarrassed, embarrassed by the boy climbing under the ropes. His older, taller brother, Eliab, text tells us before, was furious at him. Why did you come here? King Saul, in a similar kind of way, takes his own bronze armor and puts it on David so that David could at least look the part. If you're going to stand there and represent us, it, at least you can look like you can do something. At this point, Goliath, this corner, David in this corner, no one believes that David can win. Goliath doesn't. The Israelites don't. 
and in his own strength, not even David. Now, the clearest indication of this is the sentiment from Goliath. So after their introductions, right, in this corner, in this corner, I mean, Goliath proves to be a blaspheming babbler. And he, he sums the whole scene up by looking over at David, and, and he's asking David and Israel, why would you send a kid to fight me with a stick? This isn't make-believe time. You have sent a child, and I'm going to kill him. Now this, so if, if, if we stop here in the description and narration of 1 Samuel 17, you, you see in the, the first half, it's a physical description outlining the physical circumstances. In fact, it, it's, it's laying this out that as you're looking at this fight, one of the greatest of all of humankind, But there's more. There's more than the first description. There's more than, than the physical description. David and Goliath is, is greater than Ali Frazier. And it isn't because David is an underdog. David and Goliath is always going to mean more, but it's not because of a stone and a sling. David and Goliath transcend history because this fight is not one-on-one. -on -one. This is not one man pitted against another man. This fight stands as this great victory, not because this is one-on-one, -on -one, but because this fight is not fair. Now, it's interesting, Goliath, Goliath thinks this, this fight is unfair, but he thinks it's unfair because of the physical description that's already been given, that physically, David doesn't stand a chance. Physically, Goliath believes, I can step on David as if he's an ant. You see, this, this is Philistine logic, right? As a, as a Philistine... I see that this fight is unfair because Goliath is standing over here and he says, my armor weighs more than that boy. I just have to go over there and knock him down and he will be out. See, this is the Philistine logic. And unfortunately, th this is a logic that, that still carries significant weight, even in the church. There's still many of us that defer to the way Goliath thinks. There's still many of us that defer to Philistine logic. And David sets this story up in a different way. David says something like this, Goliath and everyone else, Israel, Philistine. You guys are so busy kissing Goliath's biceps where you're doing like this that you can't see straight. You, you can't see straight if you're kissing your biceps. You see, the, the Philistine logic says, look at that bicep. That's going to determine the outcome of this situation. 
See, Philistine logic says, whoever's going to work the hardest. Philistine logic says, whoever has the best tools in their hands. Philistine logic says, if you're strong, if you're confident, if you're prepared, you're going to win. But when we see David come into this scene, no one can see clearly when their arm is blocking their view. See, when, when you think you're strong enough, that that's us kissing our own biceps. When, when you think that you've got it all under control, that, that's you kissing your own biceps. See, this, this is Goliath here, just kissing his own biceps in front of God and everybody. But when we're doing that, we can't see clearly. And you're going to fall. What does Proverbs 16, 18 tell us? It's pride that comes before the fall. And the longer you go on kissing your own biceps, the more spectacularly it seems that you fall. See, when you're busy praising yourself, you're kissing your biceps. When, when, you're, when you're busy praising human effort, you're kissing your biceps. And you get caught in that same Philistine logic trap. And you miss the spiritual reality beyond your own bicep. You see, as Goliath is, is looking at David across the ring, he's kissing his bicep. And it caused him to miss the biggest factor of this fight. Goliath could not see that this fight was not one-on-one. -on -one. This fight was two-on-one, and this was not fair, not to Goliath or anybody that stood with him. You see, while Goliath is over here comparing his biceps to David's biceps, he didn't see that coming with David was the kingdom of God. He didn't see that, that coming with David were, were legions of angels, something like a cloud by day and a fire by night. He, he didn't see that in front of David was, was something like Moses' staff held high in the air. This wasn't a fair fight because the same God that sent plague after plague upon Egypt and the same God who then after plague after plague wiped out the Egyptian army in a tidal wave was about to flick Goliath in the forehead, and he would fall. You know, just, just a, a couple of stories ago in the sermon series, we heard how God squashed the walls of Jericho. It was as if the hand of God reached down from heaven and with one finger pressed the walls of Jericho, pulverizing them into the ground in an instant. Those walls of Jericho were... 14 feet tall, if not more, in certain places. Those walls of Jericho at 14 feet tall were six feet, six feet wide, covered something like a half a mile around the city of Jericho. And if our God, who can handle a half mile of stone barrier, which according to Pastor Chris' calculations, which may or may not be true, probably weighed something like 43 million pounds, and if, if the finger of God could come down and pulverize 43 million pounds of stones in an instant, 126 pounds of bronze armor on a soldier 
will disintegrate by God's whisper. This wasn't a fair fight. It's two on one. David brought with him the power that created the universe, and Goliath didn't stand a chance. See, when Goliath taunts David, if you'll look down with me, 1 Samuel 17, verse 44, Philistine says to David, you come to me, and I'm going to give your flesh over to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. This, this is about him. He's saying, I, I, I. Look at my bicep. You, you come to me and you are going down. But listen to David. Just after this, when, when David responds to him from his corner, David makes it clear, Goliath, this is not about you. This is not about me. This is about Yahweh, the living God. And you've been taunting him. Look at 45. So David says to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a spear, a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. The difference here, the difference in this story is not about physical strength. The difference is the power and presence of God. The same can be said of our lives. This, is, this, this life is not about your physical strength. It's about the power and presence of God. And when we walk through this life kissing our own biceps, we, we deceive ourselves in, in thinking that, that we're strong. We deceive ourselves in thinking we're going to be the ones to, to get it done. We, we, we tell ourselves, even in the church, we, we tell ourselves that with a little bit of motivation and a cup of coffee, we can get it done. That, that's going to give us the edge that we need. But this has never been the case. Not in a single page of Scripture has this been the case. Nor is that our priority. You know, as you read through this story, David and Goliath isn't remembered all these years later because David won. This story is remembered and to be remembered because God won, that this was two versus one. See, when we get down to 46 and 47, look, look at the last line of 46, and then we'll go into 47. The, the last line of 46 says, this battle... This fight, this match between David and Goliath is remembered so that all the earth then and now may know that there is a God in Israel. The God who went before them in the Exodus is mighty. The God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, is our deliverer. This story is told so that we will know that our God is a living God mighty with power, in verse 47, and that all the assembly may know that the Lord doesn't deliver by the sword of the Spirit. This is not about the physical fight, but something else. The Lord does not deliver by the sword or spear, for the battle is His, His, and He will give you into our hands. You see, this, this battle 
It's, it's another statement of God in a long line of statements of God that this life, our life, is not about the size of your biceps. But in fact, as we turn through the pages of Scripture, we see and we know that as we move through the, the, the letters from the Apostle Paul, our bodies are weak. They're fragile. Our, our bodies are failing us. And if any moment we start to think our bodies are strong, it won't be long before we realize these bodies are tired. And your body is going to fail you. But the Lord your God never fails you. And in fact, the, the Lord your God, you, you see this worked out in the power of Christ in the incarnation, is a God who heals the body, resurrects his people, and, and builds them up in, into to a mighty nation, a, a church that, that follows Jesus Christ as its head. You see, what we recognize through the incarnation of the Christ as He moves to the crucifixion and resurrection and the ascension, a part of that story, Jesus tells us that upon His ascension, He knows that we might feel alone. And He knows there's going to be many days where you feel alone in this life. But those who know the blood of Jesus Christ will be given the gift and seal of the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit will go before you and behind you, will walk with you and be your strength. Jesus tells His followers from the beginning of His incarnational ministry through His ascension that you do not have to face this world one-on-one. -on -one. In fact, as you think about this, this life, so much of this life feels that way. It feels like a one-on-one. -on -one. Like, like we have to come out swinging against a force that's greater than ourselves. There are all kinds of battles out there. There are all kinds of enemies out there. It feels like there are constant devils breathing down our neck. And if you knock one off, here comes another one to take his place. But Jesus Christ has promised us that as we are covered with his blood, the Spirit of God comes, and we don't have to face any of this one-on-one. -on -one. This is a two-on-one work. See, this life was not intended by God to be one-on-one, -on -one. but by the blood of the Christ, the Spirit of God comes and walks with you and fights for you. I think it's important for us to, to think through as we think back over the last week. What temptations have you been fighting off with a stick? What good have you by, have been trying to accomplish in your own strength? What fallacy, what heresy, what falsehood have you been trying to, to meet head on? Because as the pages of Scripture unfold, from David to the Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit, we see on every page, you're, you can't do this alone. You're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. We can't handle this on our own. 
You're not going to be able to take on the world, Satan and his minions, by yourself. Victory only comes through the Spirit of our Lord. And I suspect the Spirit is convicting this morning, convicting us to put our biceps away, to, to put us away, and trust in the name of the Lord our God. And as we do, we are saved. By the body and blood of Jesus Christ and in His Spirit, we are saved. Let's pray together. And Father, we love You. And we pray this morning that Your Spirit would do a mighty work. The miraculous work of breaking into hardened hearts. But bringing in your, your warmth and your peace in, into this chaos that we face. Lord, we pray that you would be real and mighty among us. That you'd, you'd wrap your arms around us. And Lord, help each one of us see and know that by Jesus Christ, we're not alone. Lord, we pray that you'd make that real to us this morning. It's in the name of our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.